This is an Audio Wool original. This episode of Fright Day is brought to you by Spring Heel Jack Coffee. You need great coffee. Jack delivers. Visit springheeljack.coffee. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support us, please go to patreon.com forward slash fright day. Garth Brooks of Ghost Hunting. I don't like that because Zach Baggins. I, don't I guess like it's more, Garth it's more Brooks. like it's more like the Chris Gaines of Ghost Hunting. I don't like that either because I don't like Chris Gaines. I mean, I don't like Zach Baggins. Oh my god! I cannot wait to share this playlist with everybody. What playlist are we talking about? It's the Baggins playlist. Okay. Well, it's. it's do you want to explain what? I am making a Spotify playlist of Baggins songs, songs that he has expressed interest in. And this is one of the this weird want to start this synchronicities that I found where he and I like a lot of the same music. And Byron okay. doesn't think that it's weird, but I think it's weird because we both like music that a lot of people would be ashamed to admit they False. like. Extremely popular artist, every single one of them. Find me people who will admit to liking DJ Tiesto at this point in time. I could go to Spotify and tell you how many millions of people listen to Tiesto every month. Yeah, but we'll talk about it publicly. I'm sorry that's, that that's a most small people, list. Most people lack the shame that you yes, should have. Yeah. And Baggins, both shameless. We'll huh? talk, we'll, we're going to circle back. Okay. okay. Why'd you bring it up now? Um, well, just because I'm doing the playlist okay. and I'm going to share the playlist Great. With this one. 39 million monthly listeners of Tiesto. Not monthly listeners, monthly listens. Listeners. No. That's what it says right here. Very popular artist. I think 36 million of them are different accounts from Zach and I. Okay, well. Okay. Anyhow, I know he's popular, but most people will not admit to liking him. When we last left off, (laughs) Zach Baggins and Nick Groff were about to cross paths for the first time. And Byron, I know you had some questions about how exactly it unfolded, and there's some discussion about who met who first. So I did make sure that I had all the facts correct, and here is the exact way that it happened. As we know, Zach was DJing weddings. Zach DJed Nick's wedding. Zach met Nick. They started talking. Hit it off. Hit it off. Then, when they decided that they were going to do this cool film project investigating some haunted locations around Nevada that Nick had previously visited... They decided they needed a third person, another cameraman. Aaron and Nick had met in college. Uh So I'm going to actually read some of it to you in their words because I think it's the easiest way to do it. You talk with assumptions that people know who these people are and what they're If anybody's willing to listen to part two of the episodes about Zach Baggins, they're going to know what Aaron is. I think it's fair to explain it. Nick Groff, Aaron Goodwin, we're talking about a project here that they're working on together. In Aaron Goodwin's words... Me and Nick met back when he was in college, and we helped each other in some projects. And then I met Zach through Nick and joined the show. I had never even thought about ghosts, so I was like, all right, I'll help you out. And then all of a sudden, I was like, what the heck just happened? And that's a very Aaron statement. And Nick confirms that Zach and I met because he actually DJed my wedding, which was cool. And Baggins, in his words, I screwed up his first dance song. 
That's not good. No, That's a very important moment. What it do you think he played moment. on accident? The cha-cha slide? We know that Nick just got engaged, so he must have gotten divorced somewhere in between. I would imagine, and I didn't know that. That was the the picture I sent you. Oh, yeah, you sent me an... I did send you. Yeah, you sent me an Instagram photo mm-hmm. from his mm-hmm. fiance. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a little bit more extended version from Nick, okay? It was funny how the three of us came together. Our paths crossed for the reason why we're here today. Pet peeve. Reason why. Reason why. Redundant. Yeah. Okay. The three of us definitely had an interest in all things paranormal. One night, we were sitting around, and I was talking to Zach and said, let's go out and get some gear with money we don't have and try to go to some of the haunted locations in Nevada and see what happens. And that's exactly what we did. The three of us hopped in Zach's car, and we drove to Virginia City. But on the way, we stopped at all the haunted mine towns and all these cool little off-the-beaten-path locations. After we had all this footage, we were like, wow, this is amazing. We've got to do something with this. We have to show the world what we captured. What we did is we said, put a narrative to a documentary, and that's what Ghost Adventures spawned from. The rest is history. I like that you struggled to, to speak like them. The way that he speaks is so... Poor. Yeah. It's so confusing. They were innovators in what they were doing. They had an idea that was born out of some very genuine interest, and this is the source point from which I will make a like undying argument that Zach really believes what he's doing. It doesn't matter if you believe in ghosts or not. Zach does. And I don't think he's faking it. Like, I really do not think it's bullshit. I've read all of his books now. Even the Ghost Hunter's Guide? Yep. For dummies? Or For dummies. He is super fascinated by it and very into it. That doesn't mean that he's right about ghosts. But I will tell you, a lot of the ghost shows are baloney. Zach's reactions are not baloney. You may say that what they're capturing is not actually ghosts, and that may be true, but Zach thinks it is. Okay. So what's fun is if you go through exactly how they did this process, I think it helps understand the trajectory of the show and also, back to Baggins, why he appears a bit... uh, I'm trying to be nice. Stiff? No. You know, people call him like a complete clown or how ridiculous he is. His, his responses to things okay. and his reactions after reading his books, which I realize are heavily edited and probably largely written by somebody other than him. Most certainly. They were all just dictated. He spoke into a phone and uh, sent it off to a person who put his thoughts into a book. Right. But I do think they get across the gist of his approach. This original experience when they traveled all around Nevada to these teeny tiny little towns and visited these spooky spots, which by the way, many of them, they came back to multiple times afterwards. Anyhow, I I just think it's a cool insight into why it really is different than the other ghost shows, because even if you think these guys are idiots, I don't. This wasn't the first ghost hunting show. No, it wasn't. And it was something that had been gaining some traction in the late 90s early 2000s but what was different about the way zach nick and aaron went about it was this teeny tiny crew which interestingly they morph into saying part of what makes this more realistic and i don't disagree Mm -hmm. but it was because they had no money they were doing it on their own right so it was out of necessity it ended up being an asset i think but it was out of necessity that that's the way they approached it i guess it's better in terms of hooking people with a personality or a character Yep. As opposed to relying on the ghosts to do the heavy lifting. Exactly. Pun intended. Yes. I, I would say f- far more than that, because I think all of them tried to have personalities, all of these other shows. I would actually say that what made this one different was the fact that they had a very small crew and that they went in with the idea of agitating the ghosts. 
We heard that you don't like big shiny lights shining in your face. Are you over there? You don't like lights being shined in your face, do ya? Are you over here? How's that feel? Are you the one, Mr. Boots, that you've been attacking everybody, scratching people, harming people? Well, I want you to come and do it to me right now. Is this your room over here? Are you looking at me in my face? Because you know what they said not to do? Shine a light in your face. Am I shining it in your face right now? Do you not like this? I want you to make a noise or do something and tell me that you don't like this. Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's up to a 10, it's up to a 10, it's going up to a 20! Like, Zach talks a lot about that. He, in one of the first interviews he did surrounding this, Dave Schrader, I love. I think he's a really good interviewer and personality in this world. But he did an interview with Schrader right when this started airing on Sci-Fi. Maybe say a little bit about Dave Schrader. Dave Schrader took over for, I don't know what version of Midnight in the Desert. He's it's Art Bell's show after he left yeah, Coast he's, to Coast. Yeah, he's like in the same world as like Nori and Knapp and all of those people. But I think he does a really good job and he's been around for a very long time. I'm trying to remember the name of his damn podcast. Probably Dark Something Into the Dark. No, I think it's slightly different. Darkness Radio? Yes. I was close. You were close. Actually, you were very, very close. He interviewed Zach right when all of it started, and then he interviewed Zach and Nick together. It's very clear, first of all, again, the authenticity that Zach brings to the table is important, and he's very clearly trying to explain why this is something he cares about. But he's also defending the idea that he goes in in a rather agitating way with these investigations. Now, certainly that sensationalizes things. I actually do think that that's just kind of an accident. If you look at Zach's history, it fits with his personality. I don't think that this is, you know, like Marilyn Manson, people talk about who he was as a kid. And then like there was this switch to this super fake persona, right? Oh, yeah. A character. Right. And I don't think that that's what it is with Zach. Obviously, I think that his approach in sensational trying to piss off angry ghosts was good for publicity, but I don't think that it was disingenuous. I think that it was really the way that he approached things because he thought it was going to be important. And I'm actually going to go in a little bit to why he thinks that that's important. Why he chooses to be confrontational with spirits? Yes. Zach has some beliefs about science. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he talks about in his book, Dark World, which was his first book, is the law of conservation of energy. Okay. Wow, okay. So this is what he said. Oh boy. And it, he's partially correct. Okay. The law of conservation of energy is basically that like energy can't, can't be created or destroyed. Or destroyed yeah. Like it goes different places. So he uses that to say, that means a person has personal energy, which is not what the law of conservation of energy is talking about, okay? And so when a person dies, that energy Doesn't has go to away. go somewhere. It has to be ghosts or spirits. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the problem. the seven grams thing, too? Where does the seven grams go once your body is released now that, spirit? That is a whole lot more scientific than what Zach's talking about. Okay. The energy that a person has when they die... Was it seven... How many grams? Eight. I think eight. it was eight because there was a movie, wasn't yeah. there? 21 grams. 21 So grams. many grams. Wow. wow. So this is the way that the law of conservation of energy actually works when people die. And I'm not saying that I don't believe in ghosts because of this. I'm just saying that this is not 
a scientific... It's not even applicable. No, it's not applicable at all. All right. So human dies. The energy stored in our body in the form of heat, okay? It dissipates. It does go somewhere else. Exactly. And it transforms into the animals that eat us. Talking about the body. If we're out in the wild. Yeah. Or the worms or bacteria that eat us if we are buried, okay? And the plants that absorb us. And if we're cremated, the energy in our bodies is released in the form of heat, Heat. okay? So he's not wrong about energy being stored in our bodies and going somewhere. But the type of energy he's talking about is like a soul, which whether you believe it or not, I'm Uh, not saying that that's not true. That isn't energy, Okay, that's like, that's an intangible thing that we don't know how to define it. In order for this but theory to energy. work, it would be like, we don't have a soul. And then when we die, our body turns into a soul. Right. And So that doesn't even work in the soul thing. Well, and it also doesn't work because what he does to explain why he goes in and does like the huge agitation, he's like, there's a lot of energy in that. And like, yes, there's a lot of energy in it, but like, that's not scientific energy like he, he's the fuck is he talking about he thinks that energy like the energy that he's i have no right now is. explaining is like <laughs> scientific physics calculation related energy and it's not like when you get worked up and excited right. that he, it produces more energy he does okay, okay so All he right. thinks that and he thinks that ghosts don't have the energy to manifest sounds or you're being a visuals. battery you're a battery right you're a battery but here's the thing if he's using the argument that doesn't make any sense, no. but that that like they have to, the energy has to go somewhere when they die, so they, they become ghosts, then why is there less energy? Where did the rest of the energy go? Why can't they manifest? Why right? Don't you like, pass me that blunt real quick. No, but, he, but I don't that's think like he's the even same a kind stoner. Of thinking, though, but it's it, it stupid. Is, it is the. It's not I smart. I, it isn't smart, and I. But again, I don't think it's because he's full of shit i think it's because he doesn't understand like they did not teach this in any of the brief spells with education that he had in his life all right Mm -hmm. and he's also not the only person to make this claim like a lot of ghost hunting sites will say this i'm sure that's probably where he got it it. much like the contents of ghost hunting for dummies okay well he just so you know there's a lot of citations in the audio book to the specific website which i think is what he got in trouble for copying yes initially he did get a bit of hot water right it's hard for me because I think Zach is so genuine that I hate, I don't want to make fun of him for not understanding this, but I do want to make very clear that the way he explains the law of conservation of energy is not accurate or applicable to ghosts. I think it's totally acceptable to judge him harshly if he has been confronted with this information before and continues to be ignorant. And I, I don't know if he has. Yeah, I, who I know knows? a lot. We of, don't know. But right. if we do bump into Zach at some point, I or, would talk to him about this. And I would be very clear to say, hey, no judgment. I think that ghosts very well could be real. I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm saying if they're real, it's not because of this, because this is not yeah. scientifically yeah, accurate. We'll bump Dave and see if Dave could do it for us. Which would be great. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, and I feel a little bit bad about that, but. I, oh, you can't feel bad yeah. about that. But it's hard because he uses an example like the Rolling Hills Asylum, and like the reason that there's so much activity there is because it's across the street from a power plant. Really? He's yeah. saying the energy is that energy too? Yeah. Yeah, and he does Man, I want that guy to yell and power my house. He does think that high emotion equals high energy, and that's why he goes in and does this. That guy doesn't know what a nucleus is, does he? I don't think he does, but that's okay. That's all right. It's it's okay. Good people. There are lots of good people out there that don't oh, know I'm about science. Oh, I'm not judging people for not it's knowing just, anything. I don't think that he should be citing science. And then, oh, God, in Ghost Hunting for Dummies, he yeah. also gets in. We've talked about this on the podcast before. It says but, it right on the cover. I know. But we've talked about this in the podcast before. 
there were some experiments done in the 90s with water where like somebody I'm trying I, I don't know if I remember this okay um, and it's this idea that water has memory I mean, maybe that sounds like something stupid you would have said it it does point. it does okay so the problem is these have been completely debunked yeah Masuro Emoto so he did these experiments with water supposedly like when he played classical music for the water the water was beautiful and when he played death metal for the water it produced like these horrible misshapen irregular crystals like it on top of a speaker feeling the vibrations or no just itself still like, looked different under a microscope actually looked different oh, wow. okay okay and he said that like he would yell positive words at the water yeah. and it would do one thing he would Don't yell they negative do this words with plants too all the time yeah i mean you could make a better argument for plants but basically the idea was oh well so much of our bodies contain water that clearly this is why positive and negative energy fields have an impact on us because they impact water. It's been completely disproven. And again, I'm not saying that there aren't energy fields. There may be. I have no idea about any of this, but the basis that they're using, and when he's citing this and ghost hunting for dummies, including post-edits that have been made because yeah, of the plagiarism stuff, edition, yeah. and he's still using that, like that is... Irresponsible? It's, it's like if citing... It... It's the equivalent of... It's not as dangerous, obviously, no, because the outcome, it's like, but it's like citing the study on autism that it's caused by vaccines yeah. that has been debunked like 10,000 times. Sure. It's like using that as your citation. And I'm like, no, And continuing God. to do it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That's uh, irresponsible. It's it's very if, troubling. If it was uh, of substantial consequence, it would be irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. But this is ghost hunting. Yeah. So he goes in yelling. This is one thing that separates him. And when they did this visit, they were the plan was that they were going to Virginia City. What's really strange, Byron, and you and I discussed this, it is really hard to find the original documentary. Yeah, I mean, we, we struggled. hard. I got it way back in the day. This was a Netflix DVD that I got. And I don't yep. even think you can find physical copies of it anymore. Yep. And so it was a three-week planned ghost hunting expedition, all of these rural mining towns in Nevada. And then he also tagged on the Goldfield Hotel investigation to the same documentary. And that's that's what was played at these film festivals that got picked up eventually by the Travel Channel. Okay. Here are the places that they investigated along with just like a, a really quick... And that was overview. called Ghost Adventures, the whole thing. Sometimes it's called Ghost Adventures, the beginning. Sometimes it's called Ghost Adventures, the documentary. So the first place they stopped was the Castle House, which is in Tonopah, Nevada. They brought in equipment and a Ouija board. All right, so flagging this because Zach now says Ouija boards are way too spooky, and he talks about that. In... It's because they don't sell enough of them on their website. I don't think that that's it. But um, I've looked into their new, they've got technology, very expensive technology on their website for sale. That doesn't surprise me. Okay. They're unloading during this huge thunderstorm. Like it's a very uh, cinematic situation. Mm -hmm. They go and stay in this room upstairs in the castle house full of dolls. Super spooky. Okay. As he said, there was a lot of stuff that happened that night. Doors opening and closing, hearing things outside but they didn't catch most of it on video because they're like not, just figuring out how to do all of this. All right. So next up was Virginia City, the Silver Queen Hotel. Now, this was a pretty direct interaction with a ghost. There's this uh, a woman who was a sex worker in the olden days who apparently committed suicide in room 11 in the bathtub. 
And so Zach decides that he's going to sleep in the bathtub. Did he whip off his shirt? He did not. But uh, there will be plenty of those stories, don't worry. Zach actually gets really upset because the hotel manager says that the ghost is very friendly. His experience was exactly the opposite. Well, maybe that's because he yelled at it? Well, could be. So he's sleeping in the bathtub, Nick's sleeping on the bed, and Aaron's outside in the van. Nice. That, I'm a van guy. Yep. Yeah, I like that. At 4 a.m., he starts hearing what sounds like the tub filling up with water, but there isn't any water coming in. It's just like the audio of it, it sounds like. Interesting. There's a loud banging noise on the wall next to the tub. And then Zach falls back asleep. And then Nick gets woken up. And there's something at the foot of his bed. So he focuses the camera in the direction of that sound. And it does pick up an unexplained mist in front of the closed door, forming and then disappearing briefly. Are we going to be going step by step through every No, account? this is just okay, because okay. this I is... I just wanted to make yeah, sure. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh my we're God. not going to do this there for the rest are... of the episode. Or... No, it would be 200 episodes. <laughs> I know. Like it's, no, yeah. there's way too much. But yeah, this, yeah. Is, okay. this no. is what like was enough to get them going. Yes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. This is their early encounters. Yeah, early encounters. That was like, all right, now we're kind of spooked out. Yeah. Again, poor Aaron is out in the cold. He wasn't a part of this, but he's trusting Nick and Zach and that is, something's a, going on. like a pre-digital uh, camera era. So they're shooting actual like film. They can't shoot all night like they do now. You know, that's actually a really good question. I'm not sure what equipment they used in the well, first one. In 2005, it would have been DV likely. DV cams? Yeah, that would be important, wouldn't it? Well, they can't shoot all night like they do now. Yeah, I, I actually... Yeah, mm. trust me on this. They don't have digital cameras in 2005. Okay, I trust you. Yeah. All right, so the next place they stop is Goldfield, Nevada, at the Goldfield Hotel. And he said just being at the Goldfield Hotel made him feel like he was walking through a pool with ankle weights. Right? The basement was the worst. This is the famous place, Byron, where... There were some bricks sitting in a dark corner of the basement, and they flew in an arc at them. Is that you making all the noise? Holy <laughs> Oh my God! Holy <laughs> Stop! Stop! Go! 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 And this is also the place where Zach and, and Nick ran, okay? They say they'd never do that again. He yeah, wonders. Never, never run? Never run again. Oh. But they were genuinely freaked out. They didn't realize it, but they captured voices on their digital recorders as they were fleeing. And he notes in his book, Dark World, <clears throat> disembodied voices usually occur at a frequency lower than normal humans can detect. Recorders can pick up sounds above and below normal hearing range. And that actually is accurate. Hmm. Not necessarily with respect to ghosts, but with respect to what digital recorders can pick up. So they capture enough to really whet their appetite. Certainly, and I can't speak to Nick because I haven't read dozens of Nick's books or listened to dozens of interviews with Nick, Mm -hmm. but I think Zach at this point is convinced that what they're looking at is real. He wants to share it. He's an obsessive editor, a little bit like Byron, also still doing other jobs to make money because clearly they're not making any money. I didn't even think about that. He spent a year putting together the footage while working other jobs. Wow. Okay. Um, submitted it to the New York International Film and Video Festival and won hmm. Grand Jury Prize, which I was actually going to have you research that, Byron. I did some Googling. I mean, it's cited all over the place, so I don't think it's a lie. But it was also nominated for the Best Feature Film at the Erie Horror Festival in 2006. Sometime after it aired at the Erie Horror Festival, NBC Universal bought it 
to air seven times in a year on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it made their top ten for like viewership for it's not the year. Surprising, but yeah. is this the first travel channel ghost show? No, this is on Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi. The, the, oh, and the Sci-Fi doc- was the home of Ghost, the other one too. Yep, the, okay. this is the no, documentary. Right. But it was also the home of the other ghost hunting show, the Taps one. Was that Ghost Hunters? Ghost Hunters was on sci-fi. There was also some beef between the TAPS guys and the Ghost Adventures guys. That gets talked about a little bit in some of the interviews with Dave Schrader. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. Zach doesn't like to talk about their investigations because he doesn't do them in the same way. There's some passive aggression discussed there. Anyhow, after it gets picked up and is pretty darn successful on the sci-fi channel, Zach decided he was going to start working with somebody who has dabbled in a lot of things, but at this point had done some reality TV show stuff. Okay. And he went to this man to help him turn it into a TV show. And Byron, this is an excellent time for you to provide some insight on Mr. Wayne Allen Root. Oh, this guy's kind of fun. I mean... If you're into the kind of stuff I am. Conservative radio host, author, conspiracy theorist... Kind of like Alex Jones, he was a former Republican turned libertarian who then shifted back Republican. This guy did it a bit earlier than Alex Jones. He left the party in 2012 to support Mitt Romney and then Donald Trump. But before all that, he studied pre-law and social science at Columbia. He was the class of 83 and he got his start while attending college working at WNBC in the early 80s and then the Financial News Network after that. Also, early in his career, he became a name in sports betting. He's actually continues to be very good at it. I think he had like a 73% correct prediction at the current NFL season from what I read on my way here while driving. I don't know. His first book, it came out in 1989 with the attention-grabbing title of Betting to Win on Sports. Ooh, that is. That's a woo. Pretty good. He followed that up in 1997, having experienced some success. This book is The Joy of Failure, How to Turn Failure, Rejection, and Pain into Extraordinary Success. Kelly, do you remember Spike TV? Yes. Looking back, it feels so toxic. Yeah, I was going to say, it is like toxic masculinity in television station. In my defense, I, I, I feel like I would mostly turn to it, not just to look at boobs, but to watch the uh, genius sport of slam ball. I've talked about it on the show a handful of times. Can't get enough of that sport. I believe it still exists. It just doesn't have a home where they're broadcasting the amazing sport for me to watch. But uh, in 2006, Wayne was the co-host of a program on Spike called King of Vegas which is a really cool place to be king of. That happens to be where Zach was at this point in yes, time. Yes, this is yeah, where yeah. these worlds are starting to collide. It, it was a gambling series that gave commentary in eight different casino games, four per week, starting with Blackjack and ending with uh, Texas Hold'em, if you care about that kind mm. of stuff. He found some success there and dove further into the business of gambling, eventually becoming the now CEO of VegasWinners.com. I mean, I think there's a Ponzi scheme somewhere in his career, but um, immediately following his success on the Bro Network, Wayne declared his candidacy for the Libertarian Party's 2008 presidential nomination. He advanced to the fifth ticket before being eliminated. And in 2008, we all know who became the president. Barack Hussein Obama. Hussein! 
Wayne. The Wayne's inflection, of course. This is where his conspiracy theories would really kick off. Having been part of the same graduating class at Columbia as Obama. Do you guys hear the Pep and Byron's I just voice right love now? He this loves shit. doing this. Yeah. Oh, Wayne yeah. teased that Obama was lying about attending the university, saying that he never saw him, but uh, clearly he stopped short of being explicit, at least at that point. In an interview with Sean Hannity in 2012, he clarified that he thought Barack was a foreign exchange student. You see, he uh, also supported the conspiracy, widely thought to have been manufactured by its biggest supporter, Donald Trump, that Obama wasn't a U.S. citizen. Yep. He then returned to the Republican Party. So is Party. he like one of the source points of that stupid-ass theory I then? I mean, he certainly propagated it, but Trump was the main focus of that. Michael Cohen, his podcast, Mea Culpa, goes into detail about oh, how fuck that— Fuck you, Michael no, Cohen. Mike, I Michael's don't care how much— guy. He really has done I the know. Work. I don't care how much Mea Culpa. He freaking <sighs> trash-fired our country. But he's helping to put it back together and make well, sure it doesn't happen again. It's called irreparable. Ah, uh, well, he has come out to confirm that Trump— Trump believed that this wasn't real. He didn't care. He just kept talking about it. And this is before he was running, remember? This is when he was just, like, fucking around, being yeah. an asshole. Yeah, This guy, Wayne Allen Root, also pushed that narrative. And then he returned to the Republican God, Party. Just freaking all over the map, this asshole is. Intending to run against UFO disclosure enthusiast Harry Reid. Rest in peace, King. You know, he was the Democratic... Yeah. Representative from Nevada. Yep. But he didn't run, which leads me to the conclusion that if I say that I intend to run for something, that it gets added to my wiki, right? Like, you can just say that. Oh, yeah, that's a good I, point. I, 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 intend I intend to, be, to... Uh, be CEO of Amazon.com. One of Sam's favorite things to say is that intentions don't matter. I think intentions do matter, but in this case, I agree. Only this in is a horseshoes, little bit... hand grenades, and Wikipedia. Oh, you sound like Sam. So he repeatedly described Obama as a, quote, Marxist, anti-American, anti-Israel, globalist, middle-class-hating, Muslim sympathizer... In 2014, he described Obama as a Manchurian candidate, possibly hired by the Bilderberg Group to destroy the United States and kill all of us at a rally. Uh, yeah, this must have been a Trump rally. Uh, he suggested that he wished ill upon Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin. It's Hillary in a white Ford Bronco. She's got Huma driving, and they're headed for the Mexican border. I have a name. I have a name for the future TV movie. It's called Driving Miss Hillary. And the ending, if we all get our wish, the ending is like Thelma and Louise. Implying that they hold hands and drive a car off a cliff. Um, he's a Seth Rich, Clinton body count guy. In 2017, he claimed that Obama was gay, calling him Bathhouse Barry. I don't know if you heard that. No, I missed time. that yeah. one. Uh, he said wow. that he had info from Obama's friends in Chicago about <sighs> his sordid past. During the Unite the Right rally, he claimed that uh, blaming the white supremacist James Alex Fields Jr., uh, who did hit Heather Heyer with his car, he, he said it was such a BS, probably paid actors and infiltrators hired by Soros, which I should pause. My, my buddy Dennis and I over on the, I bet it's over by now. Maybe it'll be up for replay. We're watching the new Tucker Carlson original Soros versus oh, Hungary. Tell me that you're like bootlegging it or not paying for it. Well, I we, really we don't want these, anybody to get money well, for that. We, we sign up for Fox Nation trials and then watch all these. It's pretty great. On the old Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Fright Day, if you want to watch us talk poorly about Tucker Carlson and his interpretation of the man named George Soros. But... Uh, on the night of 2017, 
in Las Vegas. Uh, something awful happened. Remember Stephen Paddock killed 58 people and himself yeah. shot like 900. So horrific. Yeah, he said that it was clearly coordinated by Muslims, that they were responsible for the terror attack, not, not Stephen Paddock. He did that on his Twitter about a year ago. And then uh, on February 6, 2021, Twitter permanently suspended his account for violating their rules. He's also a colloidal silver guy, which I, I found pretty fun, but not Amazing. surprising. Why are we talking about this guy? Why'd you let me rant about it for so long? Because... He was how Ghost Adventures, the series, was born. Good friend of Zach Baggins, and he became the producer of Ghost Adventures, the series. So this is a, an important question that I'm not sure you have the answer to, but I've got to ask it. Do you know if Zach is still close with him at all? I don't know their relationship much at all because the headlines are usually dominated by the really stupid shit that this guy says. I haven't really dug too close into their personal relationship. So because this was so long ago, you know, like 16, 17 years ago... I'm really hopeful. Also, just a bit of evidence that gives me more hope. Uh-huh. I'm hopeful that Zach doesn't has work no him. contact with him at this point. Well, the, I mean, the, the closest thing that I found was in, in 2015, Wayne put out a book called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams, in which Zach gave him a shout out for. So they have some sort of relationship, whether it's working or personal. I do have to say, Kelly, you are the company that you keep. And if Zach continues to work with this kind of guy, I don't know how I feel about him. Okay, well, this is what gives me hope. Okay. In 2018, you know Zach collects lots of things now. Yeah, he does. Okay. Loves collecting he things. He paid $28,000 for a statue known as the Emperor Has No Balls. Oh, we're talking about... Naked Donald Trump statue. Yeah, yeah. I okay. have a really great clip about this. He bought it. Now, he bought it as an investment. Yeah, he, he considers himself apolitical. Yeah, but I'm hoping that this is an indication of his politics, and I'm just going to, like... Uh, he's I also a huge it. animal rights activist. Have you seen the clip of him talking about his no. investment in it? No. I think it was with TMZ. As everyone knows, I'm a collector, a curator, owner of the owner of the Haunted Museum. You know, I display the most cursed and uh, unusual objects, and so I thought that this fit just perfectly for that. I don't get too political. I actually hate politics, but I also hate clowns and haunted dolls. But I still collect them. Um, but when when this statue came out, what drew me to it? Is not the actual statue. Is not a naked man. Um, but what what drew me to it is the mysterious nature of it. How they all appeared in the different cities. And as much as people were terrified of it, uh, and how loud it was, uh, and how controversial it was, you know, um, they loved it, and they couldn't stop fighting to take pictures with it. It's the only one remaining left, too. All the other four ones apparently were destroyed or um, confiscated, and so I see it as a valuable object, too. I mean, you look at today in media and, and politics, everybody's, everybody's drawn to outspoken. Everybody's drawn to controversial, and, and uh, to me, that's... I see collectible on that. I see value in it. And I see this sculpture climbing in value uh, as part of a, a historical moment, like I said, in controversial kind of pop culture history. I think he actually did a really good job of being truly apolitical in that statement. I mean, I wish he would have said 
fuck you, Donald Trump. But you yeah, know. well, and I, I, I have a tweet that Zach oh, responded no. to oh, no. from a suspended account, which I believe would be the account of Wayne Root. It says, thank you, Wayne. Lunch soon. And that was in August of 2015. So around the same time as his other comment about his book. So I don't know. I'm not sure where. Okay, that was still eight years ago. Yeah. Or seven years ago. Yeah. We can hope. We can hope. All right. All right. So. Did you know Trump wrote a, a foreword to one of Wayne's books too? Gross. That doesn't surprise me because it seems like they are really two peas in a. But he might be turning on Trump, especially since Trump is recently promoted the booster shot for the vaccine so yeah trump's created a monster that is now no longer his to control trumpism is run amok it's certainly a muck okay byron just to allay your fears we are not going to do a deep dive into every single one of the ghost adventures episodes though i do have a spreadsheet that contains all the places they've visited i know you do that's kind of fun because i've been to a decent number of them at least what i think is most important to focus on is the show grew in popularity it was a great time to get in zach nick aaron interesting characters truthfully and i know that i am not being at all subtle about my zach allegiance here i think aaron and zach are both far more fun to watch than nick nick always struck me as like kind of a dum-dum, but not a dum-dum in any kind of a fun way. Do you know why Zach and Nick were credited as creators, but not Aaron? Do you know? Well, beca yeah, because it was Zach and Nick's idea. Okay. And Aaron they just brought Aaron last. on as like the cameraman. I mean, he was sleeping in the van. That's true. Yep. All right. And Aaron's like, whatever, I don't give a shit. Aaron's just hanging out. Fun guy. The show went really, really well for 10 seasons. Lots of episodes. They went lots of places. Well, season four seemed like they doubled their episode order. It was like normally eight, eight, ten, and then 27. They got very ambitious, probably at the height, you know, that fourth season where they were really going for it. Yeah, and they probably were able to get more capital to do that with from Travel Channel because they've already shown that they're pretty popular and they're making money with it. That works pretty well. There was some kind of growing animosity, though, and I don't think we'll ever know the real story behind it, but there are certainly some breadcrumbs so there was a very specific way that Nick wanted to investigate things. Then there was a way Zach wanted to investigate things. Energy based. Yeah. And even in these early interviews that I've referenced, like shortly after the first season came out, they're interviewed again by Dave Schrader. And this time it's Nick and Zach together. And even the dynamic in that interview, they were in different places, but both on the call with Dave. Just the, the dynamic there. Hmm. It was pretty clear that Zach was the alpha and Nick was, even though more educated than Zach, just not as well-spoken, not as compelling. He just, he didn't have, you know, that magic stuff, whatever it is. The it factor. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the it factor, but hmm. boy, Baggins sure did. When things came to a head after 10 seasons... I think some people were totally flabbergasted by it, but others who were really obsessed with the show had seen it coming for a while. Mm -hmm. He actually, Nick made the announcement on November 24th, 2014. And even the announcement was met with, hmm, significantly unmitigated animosity from Zach. Zach is very clearly a person who values loyalty and is pretty cut and dry with like people who are on his side versus people who are not. I don't know. It's like some weird 
version of the bro code. Does I, that make sense? Yeah, I've, I've tuned into the Spike TV network. Okay. Very yep. familiar. It seems very much that way. It was not helped at all by the fact that when Nick announced his departure, he used that to also announce... Ghost stalkers. This is maybe the closest we ever come to knowing what exists on the other side. And in a new series called Ghost Stalkers, two men who crossed over investigate the afterlife by exploring places that are rumored to be doorways to another dimension. Joining me now are Chad Lindbergh and John Tinney. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning. Good Great. Morning. Which I hadn't heard of that until I did this. I don't know if you had, so clearly I, I it wasn't super successful. Well, it was a new show. It came out in 2014, which he was a, an executive producer on. Yep. Was his face part of this? It wasn't. It was mostly this guy, Chad Lindsberg and John E.L. Tenney. Yeah, because those were actors, they're the, I think. They're paranormal investigators. Yeah, but they're also actors. At least Chad is. John's an author. Chad's an actor. Well, there you go. He also Do you want to hear the opening narration? Yeah, that? let's hear it. I, Chad Lindsberg. I'm Chad Lindsberg. In 1983, I almost died in a hospital. My name is John Tenney. In 1988, I was pronounced dead. Our experiences with death have led us to believe that some places contain portals where the dead can cross over into our world. We are on a mission to find them. We're going to spend 48 hours isolated in some of the rawest, grittiest haunted locations in the world. Which, uh... It feels kind of familiar. A little familiar. Hmm. Zach never called him out by name, but said that he was disgusted Yeah. when a former cast member was using their past with Ghost Adventures to promote a new show. And this was on Destination America. Mm -hmm. uh, how popular was this show? We will never know. It ended after one season. Yeah, and then he tried Paranormal Lockdown, and that ended after one season. Went on a tour... Found co-founded Viddy Space. Oh, really? Yeah. Viddy Space was something that the uh, uh, Small Town Monsters folks were putting stuff mm -hmm. out on. Briefly. Listen to this. This is interesting because in this article, this I I know this isn't true, but this is what the article said. Nick will also be featuring his own show, Small Town Monsters exclusively on the platform wait so it's just that was miscredited obviously or was he given executive producer credit for some assessment so. things what yeah so we need to look in it we need to talk with seth who knew that we had a, a character witness and seth oh. we should have been talking to him about it this doesn't really matter too terribly much well seth if you're out there just clear this up apparently groff is getting credited as small town monsters being his show which it also isn't a show mm -mm. but anyhow yep they were two competitive guys they were different styles. There was only space for one alpha, I guess. There are a lot of things that you can nitpick on. I've heard rumors that he violated his contract with Travel Channel by working on another production at the same time. And like he had a non-compete clause or something where he wasn't allowed to do that. And that that was a problem. And he had to either quit that or quit Ghost Adventures. So he quit Ghost Adventures. I wonder what the deal looked like percentage-wise. Zach versus Nick versus Aaron. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question. It's a really good question. But I know that he was cameraman. He was a producer. He helped edit. The, I don't know how the effort was divided up, but I know that he was deeply entrenched because it was well, the baby when, of Nick and Zach to begin with. When we sell this show, it's going to be a huge fight. Yes. You and I, scrapping for money. No. No? All right. No, we won't scrap. Well, there won't be any scrapping. We're never selling it. <sighs> sure. I mean, I'm working on it. Well... 
that's the end of Nick on Ghost Adventures, but it was not the end of Ghost Adventures, not by a long shot. And in fact, Ghost Adventures would go on to do far more, is still rolling. Mm-hmm. Zach has gotten involved in quite a few offshoots since then. Are we going to talk about these things next week? Yes. Okay. So next week, just to give you some, uh, because I know you're worried about it being a third episode, Byron. So I'm, I'm gonna... pretty upset about it. We forgot to announce up top. This, this is going to be a three-part. I'm, I'm sorry. There's just too much about Zach. So we need to talk about a life-changing trip that Zach made to Paris. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about his love life. We need to talk about his clothing line. We need to talk about his music. We need to talk about the Haunted Museum course we need to talk about his passion for animal rescue and we need to talk about his recent partnership with eli roth and then finally we're definitely going to need to cover why kelly might be a reincarnation of zach i know that he's still alive and that doesn't really check out in terms of the way reincarnation is supposed to work but time is a flat circle so time is a flat circle so anything can happen kelly yep I appreciate your report. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for it. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. I'm um, looking forward to it. Being as well. over. Yeah. Nope. And nope. Until then, though, Kelly, where are you going to be? At Kelly Friday on Twitter. You can email me, Kelly at FrightDay.com. And uh, if you have any Nick or Zach or Aaron info that you want me to slip into the last episode, be sure to send it to me. And I'm at Byron McCoy on Twitter and Instagram. Byron at FrightDay.com is my email address. And until next Friday, I'm Byron. I'm Kelly. Stay loyal. Or leave and make more money. On this week's episode of Behind the Screams, it's all via non-genre normal stuff that folks do specifically us it's normie roundup that'll be available wednesday february 9th at patreon.com friday or cult.frightday.com join the fds now to get access to over 60 episodes of behind the screens as well as bonus episodes of byron serial corner the writer's room toast to toast pm with wine kelly captain kelly's cryptids and conspiracies as well as the first 10 episodes cult.frightday.com we'll see you wednesday been listening to an audio wool original produced by byron mccoy theme music provided by cemeteries for more programs like this visit audiowool.co